Stories, fables, ghostly tales. A mysterious girl walks amongst a crowd of chaos, screaming, panic-stricken men, women and children. She walks alone, and with purpose. All of this to play a game. And when visiting a new town, one must make new friends. It just so happens that friend loves horror and urban legends. To only become an urban legend himself. Tea time drinkers and lovers of storytelling, welcome. Today I bring you two tales. A game of tag by Kane Mack and Hanging Man Hill by Indefinite Silence. Now, the last story I had to cut early due to data corruption. Nothing worse than listening to your own recording and then having it start to crackle and pop and deteriorate in front of your very ears. So, I'll continue Hanging Man Hill later this Friday. Rest assured, it'll be worth the wait. Now, mates, turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and get ready for something different. A Game of Tag In 2017, a certain video appeared on YouTube. The phone recording presented a busy intersection in a rather large city, probably in the United States. The circumstances indicated the situation took place during rush hours on March or April. As people were wearing light coats and some snow was still visible along with blooming trees and grass. The recording starts with screaming. You can hear distant cries. Few people are seen running and even from a distance, it is clearly a panic rush, with lots of scuffling and pushing aside. There is a sense of confusion and uncertainty in the air. Among the obscured noises, one clear, What's going on? can be heard. The video is good quality but shaky, as the person holding the phone is trying to get closer to the commotion. Around the 10th second, the chaos starts spreading. Pedestrians are now moving faster and more people are running. If it wasn't for the crowd on the crossing, someone definitely got hit by a car, as they are reckless and focused on getting as far as they can. The faint sound of police sirens can be heard at that moment. The faint sound of police sirens can be heard at the moment. The phone user is now more or less 40 feet away from the center of the ruckus, getting a nice panorama shot. Two seconds later, there is a scream somewhere very close. Mass hysteria ensues. When the timer hits 19 seconds, a girl in a green hoodie emerges from the right corner of the screen. She is unnoticed by the camera person. The crowd is thinner where she appeared and she easily navigates among the pedestrians. You can see she is somewhere around her early 20s, has long black hair that covers half her face, and seems less distracted than anybody else. Holding her hands in her pockets and hunching as if having back problems, people are now running around her. When she gets closer to the center, a 50-something man in a wool jumper turns in her direction. He says something muffled, and the subtitles below read, do you know what's going on? Before any of the viewers start wondering why this random voice is subtitled, as nothing else is, 
the girl, say something in response, then releases her hand from her pocket and touches the man on the shoulder. The camera notices the sudden movement in the corner and zooms at the scene, where the man starts twitching frantically, as if having a seizure. Something happens to his face, as it starts getting red and blistering. Three seconds later, and the phone's owner cries, It's a guy. Oh my fucking god, oh fuck, oh fuck! As the man falls to the ground, with an unnaturally swollen chest, the nearby passers-by watch this in fear, only to start screaming and running away. The crowd, not knowing the source of the panic, began spreading. A vast wave of bodies that flooded the street, stopping vehicles. Some people run past the camera person. The phone catches glimpses of their horrified faces. We can also start noticing other phones recording the commotion. The police arrive. Their flickering lights appear somewhere in the corner. The girl now is in focus. She walks towards another person and touches them. It's a teenage boy, who makes choking gestures and starts bleeding from his mouth as his chest bloats to giant proportions. Two other boys, probably his friends, scream and try to run away, but one is snatched by the girl. He stumbles onto the ground, red and choking blood. The other one cries so loud, it can be heard above the noise. Someone, a young woman, in the general confusion, bumps into the girl. She falls to the ground, not moving. The girl then proceeds to leap towards every person she is able to. She touches them, and each one ends up the same way. After touching about four more people, for a brief second, she looked in the direction of the camera, grinning widely. The video is 1 minute 4 seconds long and has over 6 million views. The comment section consisted mostly of WTF and is this real? Some shouted it was fake. There were few who believed it was one of those pranks used to promote new horror movies and in a very bad taste, they added. Trolls were joking they would bank her either way. This was the most popular video of the happening. Overall, there were over 15 original recordings all shot from different angles and moments. After the incident, the girl in the green hoodie was nowhere to be found. The event received media coverage all over the world, but the fact that people died after being touched was barely mentioned. Most news reports described it as a biological attack, organized by terrorists, and that the girl in the green hoodie was using either some kind of gas or syringe filled with toxic chemicals. This blatant lie wasn't overlooked, by the internet, as millions of commenters shouted that no gas nor syringe was present during the event and witnesses actually saw that a simple touch would turn a person into a blood-choking red mess. The media, however, refused to accept this explanation and turned a blind eye to the accusations. No real explanation was given to the deaths as well, according to the medical authorities. The victims had been dead before any help arrived. For a few days, only a range of symptoms were presented to the public. Skin lesions, obstruction of the lungs, eye inflammation, etc. As the official cause of death was still unknown. However, two days after the incident, a post was published on an anonymous message board. The creator claimed to be one of the morgue attendants that were examining the bodies. He or she felt obliged to tell the truth about the conditions of the bodies, but were shut down by the supervisors in order not to spread panic. They explained that the cause of death was asphyxiation 
caused by severe pulmonary injuries, which explained the bleeding and swollen chests. OP expressed their shock as they have never seen such amount of damage caused in such a short time. They also added that the victims were exposed to alpha toxins. Alpha toxins are cancerous chemicals often found in corn, walnuts, or peanuts, to name a few, that, especially when improperly stored, can lead to liver, cancer, and other horrible things such as hemorrhage. According to OP, the amount of alpha toxins in the body were 20 times larger than in normal instances of an alpha toxin poisoning, which caused severe damage to their livers. The list of symptoms goes on. Throat injuries, internal bleeding, dermatitis, sore and bloodshot eyes, etc. developed to a very serious stage. The effects are similar to being exposed to black mold for a prolonged period of time, wrote the anonymous user and never responded to any of the comments. Although people were skeptic, the post gained a lot of attention. For a few months, YouTube became flooded with reaction videos and theories. Conspiracy theorists believe the girl in the green hoodie was a governmental experiment gone wrong. A real-life SCP or even Pestilence, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The girl even gained her own cult following, becoming an internet meme. She was dubbed Rosie in reference to Ring Around the Rosie, as it was a nursery rhyme about the Black Death. But this was not the first time Rosie appeared on the internet. In 2011, a YouTube video appeared with a title written in Japanese, which could be Google translated as Death on Streets Japan, Weird Girl Found, three question marks, depicting an intersection in a suburban area seen from a third floor balcony. People are running away and screaming, the camera is focused on the girl in the green hoodie in the middle of the street, monitoring the surrounding chaos. She keeps her hands in her pockets, and this time, her face is hidden under the hood. Around her lie bodies, like a macabre version of petals surrounding a flower bud. You can hear the camera person talking with someone next to them. Their voices are pitched to an almost chipmunk-like squeak. But unless you know Japanese, you can't make out what they are saying. After almost two minutes of footage, Rosie leaves the scene before the police arrives. At the time, people believed it was fake and there was never any media coverage of the event. No one knew where it had taken place, nor who recorded this. However, after the incident in 2017, I, the person who remembered the Japanese video, decided to create a subreddit about it. I first encountered the green hoodie girl, aka Rosie video, yesterday and couldn't shake off the feeling of deja vu. I searched my old YouTube playlist and found an old Japanese video from 2011, link below. I'm certain this is the same girl even though you can't see her face. The hoodie is the same. I want to know if these are related somehow. Does anybody have any information concerning any of the videos? Has someone ever seen this girl before? The first response appeared two days later. When I first saw that video, I was freaked out because I had a very similar experience two or three years ago. I was sitting on a bench in a park. There was not many people and walking, jogging, etc. I was on my phone, waiting for a friend, but when I raised my head, I noticed a girl in a green hoodie. She bypassed me without any interest and I only remembered her because she had a big smile on her face which I thought was cute at the time. After that, I stopped paying attention. But a few minutes later, I heard a scream. 
I ran to see what happened and I found an older guy lying on the ground with a really red face and a swollen chest. I thought he choked on something, so I called 911. It took them some time to get there. Besides, I was scared right out of my mind at the time, so I can't remember if the girl was even there. But seeing all the bodies on the video reminded me of that guy. And the girl that passed me by with a smile on her face. If this is the same girl, I think I'll go mad. She would have touched me if she wanted to. The post gained a lot of replies, but one more interesting than the others. The user shared a blurry photo of two dead horses near a fence, their barrels swollen, with patches of red skin in between the fur. They were positioned in a way that you couldn't see their faces, but I could imagine their eyes were bloodshot. The user wrote, I live in a family farm in the outskirts of France, where we breed horses. Over five years ago, we found two of our mares dead, just like this. We thought it was some kind of wild animal, as we live close to a forest, but there were no bite or claw wounds. We called a vet, he did an autopsy and claimed the horses had a severe case of mold poisoning and we should check our stables as quick as possible. Our stables are well maintained, but we checked every nook and cranny just in case. Not even a speck of mold. Besides, there were several other horses in the paddock, healthy and unharmed. For years, I believed the two dead ones had to eat something toxic until I saw the video on YouTube with Rosie, the green hooded girl. I couldn't believe my eyes, because the victims had the same symptoms as our mares back then. Then I found the post of that autopsy technician who described the cause of death, asphyxiation from severe black mold exposure. Fucking mold exposure. I don't know if she killed my horses, but the symptoms were exactly the same. There is a path next to the paddock, right near the fence where our horses were found. People were horrified after seeing the photo. You can kill a man and no one bats an eye, but animal cruelty is fortunately less tolerated on the internet. Many hypotheses appeared before someone posted another video. He wrote an introduction in broken English, but I managed to make out the general sense. Apparently OP used to work at a bar and some night while on shift, he heard screams and gunshots coming from outside. He was too scared to check as it was a really nasty neighborhood and after about 10 minutes, everything went silent. The next day, he and his boss checked the video surveillance. I watched the footage he uploaded. In the dim glow of the entrance lighting, two men ran through the street. One disappeared from a shot, but the other one was quickly snatched by someone whose face was hidden under a hoodie. The captured man twitched erratically before falling on the ground motionless, and the hooded figure quickly followed the one who escaped. It was dark. The footage had a very low frame rate and was really bad quality, but many agreed, me included, that the attacker was rather short for a man. Didn't use any weapons and was wearing something resembling a zip front sweatshirt of uncertain color. What really bothered me was the mention of gunshots. As it was a CCTV footage, no sounds were recorded. But if someone was shooting Rosie, if it really was Rosie, didn't seem to be affected in any way. Over the span of a few months, my subreddit has grown over three times in size. People shared their own experiences and posted photos and videos they found. There were a few who decided to make YouTube documentaries about Rosie, based on all the uploaded material and there was a lot to find. 
We received video recordings from airports, stores, or streets all over the world. The number of photos depicting dead, swollen bodies was remarkable. Some people claim to spot Rosie, even taking pictures inconspicuously, but in most cases, these were a false alarm or faked. Theories started popping up like mad. Even Rosie's popularity grew as she received a lot of fan art, very often disturbing in more ways than one. I think she's misunderstood. Maybe that smile's really fake and she's suffering. I want to help her. One of the users wrote and received a quick reply. You are a fucking idiot, you know that? But what really shook me up was a photo that was posted about 5 minutes after I created my subreddit. The user described it only in one sentence. I didn't make it. The photo presented Rosie from behind, without her hood on, her hanging hair from her shoulder as she was leaning against a brick wall. At her feet lay a boy, maybe eight or nine years old, probably of Middle Eastern descent. He was curling up as if trying to hide inside himself and was looking at Rosie with sheer terror in his eyes, his face red from crying. There was no background story to this. No one could recognize the place nor the boy. People who clearly didn't read the post started accusing the one who posted it for just staying there and taking pictures and were reminded to read descriptions first. The photo stayed in my mind for a long time. The boy's face haunts me to this day. I quickly connected the dots and began my own investigation. I started posting videos of me trying to solve the mystery of Rosie. I tried to dig information about her real name, origins, and possible relatives, but to no avail. I contacted police departments in countries Rosie was reported in. Despite evidence I presented, she was never caught or even seen. In a Skype interview with a police officer who witnessed the 2017 incident, he said, We kept hearing about a girl in a green hoodie, but we never found such a person. No personal information, no address, nothing. We sent police notice all around the country. Whoever she was, she disappeared without trace. Despite my best efforts, I wasn't able to find anything. It seemed as if Rosie came from nowhere and could appear and disappear wherever and whenever she pleases. Sometimes when I check all the evidence, I start doubting myself. Blurred photos, easily manipulated and staged videos, accounts of people that might be lying or simply gullible. I might be up to something, but maybe it's all a wild goose chase and I need to stop believing in everything I see on the internet. But I can't stop worrying. All the videos and written accounts of other people described locations that were remote or barely inhabited. The 2017 video was actually the first time Rosie was seen in a more crowded, populated space. And this story concludes here. Written by Kane Mack. Hanging Man Hill Gaston, South Carolina, is a lonely little place. Sitting just south of Columbia along 321, it's just a small crumb of the misshapen piece of pie on the United States plate that we call South Carolina. Its population has almost never gone over 2,000, and there's only 3.4 square miles across in all directions. It feels even lonelier when you're coming from a place like Roanoke, Virginia. After Mum lost her job, we moved to the only place where the rest of our family resided, 
Good old South Kakalaki. I had been moping on the trip the whole time on the way down here. The way I saw it, the only friends I was going to be making here were Fire Ants and that Inferno of a Sun. Once we got settled in at 304 Dixiana Drive, I always remembered their address because the number in it was carved into the driveway and it spelled HO if you looked at it upside down. I immediately set out into the neighborhood in search of friends. I didn't know how to ride a bike at the time and I barely knew how to ride a skateboard, so I petered down a long stretch of road directly across from the front of the house on my cheap little Walmart board, until I came to a small cul-de-sac that seemed to go uphill. Sitting outside on his front porch was a chubby kid with glasses that looked about 10 or 11, about my age at the time. I really had no one else to talk to, so I asked what his name was and he told me that it was Terry. He liked being outside a lot and I didn't, but we both seemed to like video games. With that, we would get along just fine. There was one thing that he hadn't told me over the next few weeks that we spent riding around the neighborhood, and that was that he was into scary movies. I was a massive chicken when it came to anything that seemed intent on forcing you to change your underwear every five minutes, so I didn't really like this aspect of him. Even worse, he had tons of horror movie action figures and loads of VHS tapes of all the creepy movies you could think of stacked in his room. Every time I came to visit, he was almost certain to scare the living bejesus out of me with one of those creepy Freddy Krueger dolls or force me to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with him in the dark. His room wasn't really that nice looking to begin with. He had a bunk bed, he was an only child and his grandmother lived with him, in which he slept on the bottom and all his slasher flicks and action figures slept on top. There were loads of holes in the walls and everything had a generally grimy feel to it. It made those horrifying moments of watching pure terror in the dark all the more icky. One day, when he realized that I pretty much hated every kind of horror movie he pretty much threw at me, he began telling me urban legends. Some of them were about the town as a whole, but more than not, they were about our particular neighborhood. I didn't really believe any of them. That is, until he told me about Hanging Man Hill. It was about a year after we had met each other, and we were riding around the neighborhood. By this time, Terry had told me to man up, and he had eventually taught me how to ride a bike. He stopped when we were riding in front of a house we had simply entitled The Crack Shack, due to its residents being stoned out of their minds on a regular basis. He seemed to be peering out at a small pathway behind the place that went up the farther you went back. He was usually the leader when it came to showing me new places in the neighborhood, so I didn't question a thing when he beckoned for me to follow him up the trail. It was a pretty steep climb up the side of the hill, with plenty of sand and rocks to send anyone not being careful straight back down. It felt as though the trees were closing tighter and tighter on us until we reached a large opening at the top. Besides the empty soda bottles and used condoms, the only man-made thing in the area that I could see were long stretches of telephone poles going across a series of sandy, dry hills. If not for the two strips of heavy forest on either side of these hills, it might have gone on forever. 
The area didn't seem to have any particular importance. I had expected him to bring me to some awful cemetery. But in the dying light of the late afternoon sky, those rolling hills looked beautiful. I thought that he might try some desperate last attempt to scare me, but instead, he just turned to me and, with the most serious and grim face I'd ever seen on him, Here we are, Hanging Man Hill, he whispered. Hanging Man Hill, is this another one of your stories? Sort of, except this one's true. I rolled my eyes at the thought, how did he possibly expect me to believe any of these stories? He just kept staring at me with that face, waiting for me to respond. How could this even be a hanging man hill? There's no hanging man, and there's at least five dozen hills here. Right down there. Look. He pointed a finger toward the nearest telephone pole, sitting between the two closest hills to us. A small creek, no more than five feet across, ran between the two hills and went onward into that never-ending forest. There was no hanging man, but the pole itself seemed more ominous than the rest. Roy Terrence, he whispered. Who? It wouldn't be Hanging Man Hill without a hanging man, would it? He bolted down the first hill on that blazing orange bike of his. I tried to keep up, but Walmart and sporting goods don't seem to mix. There was a faulty chain on my cheap, dull red bike. The sticks from the surrounding trees had rooted themselves to the ground and were now snagging onto the dangling chain. With one mighty tug of a huge root on the bike, I was head over handlebars all the way to the bottom. I landed on my knees with a small splush sound as my legs hit the water. It couldn't have been more than a few inches deep. I almost called for help from Terry when I realized that he had stopped at the bottom just before I had tumbled to the creek alongside him. His head was peering upwards, looking straight at the top of that dark and shadowy-looking telephone pole. Little help? I squeaked. Terry broke his gaze with the pole just long enough to wrench me from the creek and get me to my feet. After that, his stare continued to be fixed on seemingly nothing at the top of the pole for the longest time. What is it or who is that you're looking for again? I grumbled in frustration. I was going to be pretty pissed if he had taken me down here and all I had gotten out of the trip was a banged up knee. I hadn't noticed the pain before because the water in the stream was cool, but now huh, it stung like the dickens. Roy Terrence, owner of that small shed, just beyond the trees over there. I hadn't noticed the shed before. It sat just behind a large oak. It couldn't have been bigger than five outhouses put together. After his wife and kid left him, he hung himself on the wires just above us. Cops didn't find much. Just a charred husk of what used to be a man. Legend says that whoever is out here at his exact time of death get strung up on the wires with him. Oh, and do tell, when would that be? For once, he broke his serious tone to give me a goofy, I don't know, shrug, and then he was back to that grim attitude. Are you suggesting that we stay here and wait for him? Despite the many excuses I have to dispute this, 
I think I'm going to go with, it's late and mum is making dinner, so I have to go home. Fine. Tell your mum that you're sleeping over at my house tomorrow night, and I'll do vice versa with my grandma. Meet me here at seven. Against my better judgement, I described that I might as well come. What harm did it do? Obviously, he was just lying, and if nothing else, it would set my mind at ease to see that he was. While none of his stories actually seemed to be true up to this point, his sudden change of tone had made it slightly more believable. When he had told his other stories, he was giggling so hard that one might think that he had snorted at least a pound of happy crack. And this is where we'll stop for now. Mates, I hope you enjoyed both these tales, and Hanging Man Hill will continue Friday, where I'll re-record it. The silver lining there is, seeing as I've already recorded this before, I'll do an even better job the second time round. <laughs> and this Friday, I'll be sharing more creepy tales with you then, already looking forward to it. Now it's time to thank those legends that support this show directly. Every single month, my Patreon supporters send their love my way. First up, my old nighty titan, Maya. I've been trialing some new tech for my voice equalization and to bring out the audio even more every episode. I have a feeling though that I may have gone overboard in some test pieces, but I'll be working on it diligently to bring a perfected version to yours and everyone's ears. Thanks to you, mate, I'm constantly upping my game. So Maya, thank you very, very much. You're amazing. And Lesasaurus Rex, mate, I'm inching closer and closer to initiating the old time radio project. Every day that goes by, I get a little bit closer to achieving that goal. And you know me by now, when I say I'm gonna do something, it gets done. When it gets done can be a bit harder to pin down, but nonetheless, it will get done. Cheers for your ongoing support, mate. It's all being put to great use. And my Earl Grain forces the lifeblood of this podcast. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Dolphin N. Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker 1, and Divided by Zero. Thank you all for being amazing and supporting the podcast. All your support flies right back into the podcast production, and without you lovelies, the podcast wouldn't be what it is. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Wednesday day or night, and I'll see you Friday. As always, mates, till next we meet.